Make the coffee, make the bed Clear the dusty cobwebs from my head And I think of you And all the things you do To make my grey skies blue Hello again Hello and welcome to Gotcha Covered With me, your host, Pat Byrne This is episode one I've never done anything like this before So I'm really excited to see where it goes and get stuck in. I love podcasts. I've appeared on a few podcasts. I've always enjoyed that very much. I listen to podcasts all the time. It's one of my favorite formats. And so here we go. Um, If you don't know who I am, I'm a singer-songwriter from the southeast of Ireland. I grew up in a small village called Boris in County Carlow. And for the last five years, on and off, I've been living over here in Austin, Texas. Uh, I've been... Carving out a living for myself as a songwriter and a touring musician. I've been playing all over the States and loving every second of it. Um, It's really been fantastic. And then, as we know, last year happened, which has been really difficult for everyone. But I would say none more so than touring musicians who rely on rooms full of people. Um, At the best of times, touring musicians are not the most financially stable, depending on your level, of course. But... um, Speaking for myself, I would say financial stability is not my strong suit. And uh, the last thing we needed was a global pandemic to come and strip us of our our gigs. It's our only source of income. And musicians and songwriters have had to get very creative to, to get an income for themselves and to just stay busy. So I suppose that's what this is. I spent a lot of last year writing songs. I actually recorded an album up in Nashville with Billy Harvey, uh, which was so fun. And I cannot wait for you to hear it. It's going to be released very soon, this summer in 2021. So stay tuned for that. Um, But once I finished that, I was like, now what do I do? And so I thought, I love podcasts. Why not try make one? Um, I knew the subject was going to have something to do with music. I wanted it to be a little bit specific so that it was interesting. I love writing songs, I love songwriters, and I also love interpreting other people's songs. So I thought I would call the podcast Got You Covered. I would interview people who I know or who I've encountered, who I admire, uh, cover one of their songs, record it professionally here in Austin, upload it on Spotify, and accompany it with an interview with the songwriter. So... I think it's a cool idea. It's something I would want to listen to. Hopefully you're going to enjoy it. And if you do, hopefully you'll share it with your friends. Uh, If you haven't listened to the song that I recorded this week, please go listen to it now. It's a song called Grey Skies Blue, written by Miles Zuniga, my friend. Um, It's a beautiful song and I loved recording it. And I think it turned out really great. But this podcast is going to make a whole lot more sense to you. If you pause right now, go listen to Grey Skies Blue and then come back. Um, so please do that. Didn't you enjoy that? Do you love the song Grey Skies Blue? Let me know. Um... So yeah, as I said, the song for this week is Grey Skies Blue, written by Miles Zuniga, recorded by myself, 
Rich Brotherton, James Gwynn and Betty Sue. We recorded it at Rich's studio, Ace Recording, here in Austin. Uh, and I think it, it turned out really well. I'm, I love the song. I've been playing it in my set for a while. Uh, Miles is a friend of mine. He's one of the first people I met um, since, I, since I moved here. I was lucky to stumble into the Saxon pub, one of my, one of my first uh, nights out here in Austin, and there was a band called The Resentments playing. Uh, the Resentments have held down a legendary residency here for the last 30 years or so. They're made up of Scrappy Judd Newcomb, Bruce Hughes, Miles Zuniga, Jeff Plankenhorn, and John Chipman on drums. Uh, they're just amazing. It's a super group of songwriters, and I remember just being infatuated with them. I loved what they had going on. There was a room full of people listening to their every word. It's the kind of life I wanted for myself, and I was lucky to get to know Miles soon after. And after meeting Miles, I discovered his history. Miles, this is what I love about having Miles on episode one. He's experienced everything there is to experience in the songwriting and music world. He's been nominated for a Grammy. He's had a number one hit, international hit, with his band Fastball, who I'm sure you know. If you don't, you should go listen to their hit, The Way. But they also have so many great albums. Their most recent album... The Help Machine is one of my favourite albums I've heard in a long time. Uh, so Miles started that band in 1994 with Tony Scalzo and Joey, Joey Shuffield. Um, they had that smash hit, and so that launched him into like as good as you can have it as a musician. But he was 30 years old at that time, and he'd been slogging it out for years before that. Uh, and since then, he's he's started several side projects. He's He plays with The Resentments, he plays with The Small Stars... He's an incredible songwriter. I've I've learned so much from him. Uh, every time he calls me on the phone, it feels like I'm listening to a podcast. He's a he's a well of information. He's wise. He, he's experienced it before. Uh, I really have learned a lot from him, and so I'm excited for you to hear this conversation. It's a forty minute conversation, and I feel like you're going to enjoy every second of it. So, without further ado. Here is the phone call I had with Miles, and I want you to excuse any audio glitches. This is my first time doing this. It's going to get better with each episode, um, but sit back and enjoy Miles Zuniga. Is this the first episode? This is the first episode. You're my uh, wow, my guinea pig. Okay. Um, because I have no idea really what I'm going to do. I have a loose idea for what these episodes are going to involve, but um, I thought you'd be a wonderful first subject. Okay. So thanks for being. Where are you joining us from today? I'm in Anacortes, Washington, and the weather is dog shit here. And uh, huh. <laughs> it's probably so, a bit like it is in Ireland, I guess. You're probably used to um rain yeah i was talking to my parents yesterday it's freezing and they're lighting fires every day and keeping you guys you guys that for you that's just par for the course we are used to it that's just how we exist day to day so yeah over here i feel like i'm constantly on vacation and it's nice yeah right now it's perfect this time of year of course it's so nice like like I forget, you know, if I go live somewhere else and then I go to Texas, if I go to Austin, in between the months of, like, November to April, you're like, wow, this is like being in Mexico or something. It's so nice. It's, it's like so, 
It's just comfortable. But yes. in the summer, I think it's worse than anything. I can barely Mis- survive it. Misery. Yeah, it's too much. It anyway, as, as, as much as people love hearing about the weather, I am here to talk to you about your incredible song, Grey Skies Blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I recorded this before Christmas with Betty Sue and Rich Brotherton and James Gwynn, and we think it came out pretty good. I know you've heard it. I think... I thought it was amazing. Who who's James Gwynn? James Gwynn is a fantastic drummer here in town. He okay. plays he plays with bands like Motenko. Um he played with Junior Brown for a while. He plays with the Whiskey Shivers. Um he's one of my favorite drummers. And for the setup we had where he was just using snare bass and hats in Rich Brotherton's small ace recording studio. He was the ideal man. So we just did it live, me playing acoustic. Wow. Him, him on drums and Rich on bass. And that was it. And then, yeah, it sounds full. I think I, I, I sometimes overcomplicate things and add several overdubs and go down the long and winding road and exhaust every option. But after hearing just the bass, guitar and drums, I thought that was enough. And Betty Stu was the icing on the cake. She just added oh, the yeah. nice bits of color. She really sang great. And it kind of makes sense as a duet, that song. I didn't even consider it until Rich suggested we send it to Betty Sue. But uh, the lyrics, you know, it sounds like two lovers talking to each other from across the globe. Huh. Well, um, I'm glad he thought of that. Yeah, me too. I, I actually wrote the song when I fell in love with this French girl and then... Um, you know, she she was living here in Austin and then she had to go back home. And so I kind of had to say goodbye, you know. It was rough because yeah. I knew I was probably never going to see her again. And then I would, I would try to stay in touch and keep the relationship going, but it was impossible. So, uh, but that was, I wrote that song for her. I sent that song to her and, you know, I was thinking about her. Wow. Um, yeah, that's how that came about. Well, I'm sure she loved it. It's a beautiful song. <laughs> I'm glad it came from an actual real thing because I've written songs where you just kind of put yourself in a situation. It's not a real thing that's actually happened to yourself and you create a character and write from that perspective. And I'm glad to know that it's from a real-life event that happened to yeah, you. Yeah, I don't have... Um... I just write. I just write songs, but sometimes I found that heart when you're having heartache is the best time. It's kind of like surfs up in the right. songwriting department. And right. You're a fool if you don't take advantage of uh, your pain because it's it, it it it's one of the tiny benefits <laughs> of getting your heart broken is that you're in this position where you really feel frail and vulnerable. And that stuff is like gold when it comes to songs, because that's what people. Those are the songs Willie Nelson said. Those are the songs that make the, the, the jukebox play. Absolutely, I, I find I write a whole lot quicker when I'm feeling like that. It just kind of spills out of you, and it, there's less technique and kind of work yeah. involved when you're yeah. feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So did did it take you long to write Grey Skies Blue? No, well, I was trying to do something else. Like, I had that melody and stuff. And then I settled on that. And then, but then I wasn't happy with the song for some reason for the longest time, you know. I would I would play it every now and again, and then I, I just wasn't... I was thinking, like, can hey, you do better than this? Maybe there's something 
else you could do. But I was just overthinking it because, you know, over time, then you start to play it. You go, yeah, this song's actually pretty good. That happens a lot with me. I'll I'll write a song and then I'll just shelve it. Right. And then later uh, I'll, I'll discover that, well, no, it's actually pretty good. It's just that when you're in the heat of writing it, you, you get sick of hearing it. <laughs> well, that's something I've noticed with you, actually, because... Every time I, now and then we meet up to attempt to write a song and sometimes we're successful, most of the time not really, but it's always a fun time hanging out with you. And every time you have this song that you pull out from nowhere that I've never heard before and I think it's amazing and I've never heard you playing it before, so you seem to have this great back catalogue. Grey Skies Blue was one of those. You also have this song called Melancholia that I don't think anyone's heard. Yeah, I have a lot of them. I, I write, I try to write as much as I can, and then um, there's stuff that just didn't make the cut for whatever reason. It's really strange. It's a strange phenomenon, songs. It isn't like there's always... Sometimes you'll think a song's really amazing, and then you play it, and people just go like... <laughs> right, it's like right. such lukewarm response. And you do it over and over, and it's the same response, and you're like... Yeah, this this isn't so great. This song, this guy yeah, sucks. With that, <laughs> and and with that song, Melancholia that I that I mentioned, no one will know it. But I know you you seem to have an issue with it. I don't think you like it very much. But I, it's okay. I put it on. The melody line isn't as good as I think it should be. Um, I shouldn't right. have to think about this stuff. Think about it this way: songs are like a relationship. Song is like a relationship you start with someone. If there's all these problems and you're just constantly putting out fires and trying to fix things, you should just right. break, break up with that person and move on. And <laughs> if this, if your relationship is really happy, then it's a good relationship. It's worth hanging on to. So this was, I think, the exact same thing with songs. Like I'm going along and I'm like, you're a royal pain in the ass, right. and I just have to get rid of you. I just have to throw you into the bin with all the other uh, misfit toys. And then maybe someday, you know, I'll come back and say, I misjudged you. But a lot of times, no, you know, a lot of times, you know what well, the best songs are. Right. But as well as that, one man's trash is another man's treasure. And I'm like, I think that song is fantastic. And has it happened to you often that you've written a song that you don't love, or you don't think you love, and someone else takes it and records it and has some success with it well you we have yet to see i'm hoping you're gonna have success with this but um it hasn't i haven't had that so much happen i have written songs some of the songs that have made the most money for me if you put a gun to my head and said play it on a guitar i wouldn't know how it goes like wow. i i wrote it that afternoon with the guy and uh co-wrote it and mm -hmm. that was the last time i thought about that song and, you know, wow. there, I have songs like that that I've made like twenty or $30,000 off of. And I don't even know how they go. They, My they God. were just right place, right time. Yeah. Uh, they, I wasn't, I wasn't that interested in the song, but, but they put it on the record, and the record did well, and I made money. Did these come from Nashville writing situations? Or? No, I'd never made any money in Nashville, even though I tried. I tried pretty hard, I guess. I, I moved there and tried to write songs. But um, yeah. I wasn't suited for it. I, I, it's a certain kind of a deal, a certain kind of art form that I just wasn't geared towards. I, yeah. I come from a real rock and roll background. Right. 
And, you know, we would sit there for hours trying to, like, well, no, 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 you know, uh, well, the dirt road and the pickup truck and the dog and, you know, <laughs> well, I can't believe you left and now I'm drinking whiskey all day long, you know. And then I'd get in the car to drive home and I'd hear, hello, 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 hello. And I go, fuck, that's so much better than the bullshit I was working <laughs> on all day. Right. Like, I just don't want to do this. Yeah. So I realized that wasn't my, my deal. Yeah, I've, I think I, I agree with you. Um, it seems like it's a kind of a corporate world, the Nashville writing scene. Um, I met a lot of amazing songwriters out there and a lot of really, really great songwriters, but it's just not my vernacular. Like, like right. I think if I could give any advice to a songwriter or, or an artist, it would be you should try to figure out what it is that you're good at, what you're better at than anybody else. It's probably only going to be one thing, yeah. <laughs> maybe two. But whatever it is that you've got a leg up on on other people, that's that's your deal. And what, and you what should, do you consider to be your strength, your unique selling point? Um. Well, I know where my voice sounds good. I know what kind of songs I sound good singing, and I know what kind of stories people want to hear. They're going to believe them if if I tell a certain story. Mm -hmm. If I try to tell some sappy ass can't live without you story no one's gonna buy it from coming from me <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right yeah i mean grace guys blue is pretty heartfelt but that's as heartfelt as i get sort of i i'm snarkier and a little more like you know the way i am so uh, i know what kind of songs i'm only good at a certain kind of thing and i guess i know what it is i i, I you know it's going to be a certain kind of song probably in a minor key maybe even though gray skies blue isn't and uh it's probably going to be about it's going to probably be a negative subject as opposed to a positive one and it's, it's right. probably gonna whatever I, it, it's hard to define but i know it when i see it how about that i i yeah. I, I know what i'm going for con i know what suits me yeah. And what so, works well. And and same thing with my singing and same thing with the guitar playing is you I guess what I'm trying to say is you hone your deal. There's only one Pat Byrne. So get rid of all the other things. Yeah. Like like any kind of Ryan Adams infatuation. <laughs> overboard into the ocean. You don't need it. Right. You're you. Whatever it is that makes you you. Bring it out more, even if it's goofy shit or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, whatever it is that really is authentically you. That's the most important thing, because there's only one you. Yeah. That's what people want. And everything else, I've found, is just... Is just... Uh, nobody needs that. Nobody needs another, um, you know, whoever. Another Bonnie Bear or whoever. There's one already. Right. I hear so many people on the radio. It's insane. I, 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 it's not the radio, but like my girlfriend will put on Spotify. I'll go, is that the Fleet Foxes? She's like, no. It's a band called Fisherman's Waistcoat or something. <laughs> I'll be like, how about this? Is this Bonnie Vare? They're like, no, this is George whoever. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. All these people are singing in the same exact voice. It doesn't, yeah. who wants to do that? Why, you know? Yeah, for, for sure. Yourself, you know? 
Yeah, half the battle is definitely finding your own voice and your own identity. And tr- uh, uh, for a long time, I impersonated Bruce Springsteen. I'm gonna say <laughs> I, I just was obsessed with Springsteen, and I, you know, I sang in a certain way. I forced my voice to sound a certain way. I wrote in a certain way. Um, and even still, I'd say I'm finding my identity. Like every every song I write, I think I'm getting closer and closer to what it is I want to be, um, and I'm enjoying that journey. I came pretty late to songwriting, but how long do you think it took you to find that Miles Zuniga authenticity? Did A long you- time. I mean, it's not, for me, it's not as much finding as the feeling like you've been left somewhere, <laughs> like a parking lot. Oh, I'm here. This is it. I got the cars gone and I'm, I'm here. This is where I live. This is what I'm stuck with. This is what I'm stuck with. This is who I am. You realize it over time. I, there, I know what you're saying. I, I've written certain songs where I'm like, this would be such a great like Bowie type of song. And right. I'll start writing it, and then I start singing it. I'm like, I start singing it like David Bowie, and I can't help it. Because basically what I'm doing is I'm aping David Bowie. Yeah. And I got the idea from him, and I got the, the notion that the song should sound a certain way. And then it becomes very, very hard to get out of it. If, if you're too far down river, you're, then the song is worthless, kind of, because you're just, just a, a Bowie ripoff. Right, you're not really creating anything new. No, then. you're not. And now what I've found is if you can break yourself out of that and go, okay, how would you actually sing it? And then if you can answer that question, you've really got something. Or you know, yeah, it's you want to try to get rid of the pretense and get down to the, the nitty gritty, yeah. of who you are. That it's just so much more powerful. It, it doesn't feel that way because you might be really good at sounding like Bruce Springsteen. You know, you mm-hmm. might be really good at, at impersonating whoever and. And and people might like it because it reminds them of that artist. Yeah. But in the end of the day, they've got already got that artist, and you're just another sucker on the vine. You're not you. Whereas if you can be you, even if only X amount of people like it, there's only one you. I can't. I can't. I can't really stress it enough. It's like it's made everything I do so much more feel so much more real and feel like. Like, I started out wanting to sing like John Lennon, but then I also want to sound like uh, Ray Davies from The Kinks, but then maybe I also want some sort of country thing in there, and then maybe sometimes I want to try and be a little like David Bowie. And, and what ends up happening over time is all those things get mashed together, and then that becomes your the way you sing. It's like Which it, is... It's, uh, all those things together is the way you sing. Right. And that's pretty amazing. And I would have, from like the first time I heard you, I would have said, I can hear the Beatles influences. I can hear the Ray Davies. I can hear Bowie. I can hear, you know, some of your songs are almost Nirvana-esque. And I can hear country and you're this great melting pot of all of those. Um, That's because I want, I wanted to be all those people, but I also realized, and there's nothing wrong with it. Like, um, I had a producer one time say, why are you singing in a British accent? And I felt so embarrassed and kind of ashamed. Like, he, right. oh, he's, he's busted me, you know. He, he, knows, right. he knows what I'm trying to do, and I feel like a, a fraud and an imposter. But then I started thinking about it, going, well, why does Mick Jagger sing like he's from the South? You know, he doesn't sing like a British guy that studied at London School of Economics. He sounds... So you'll stretch out, you know the way he sings. I'm mad. He sings like a. He's from the South, the American South. That's what he's going for. 
Mm-hmm. And, and John Fogarty is from uh, Berkeley, California. Yet he sounds like he also grew up in the South. So I'm like, well, if they can, if those guys are trying to sound like they're from the South, I can try to sound like I'm from England. Who cares? Just a sound. So yeah. I, I'm, I realize I'm contradicting what I said earlier, but my point is, it's like a spice rack, okay? So you've got the spice that says British rock singer, 1965. And yeah. then you've got a different spice that says James Taylor, 1972. And you just mix them all till you find what you do really well that's like a mix of all these things. Yeah. Unless you're lucky enough to just have a totally unique voice, you know? Right. You come I- out and, it, and it's just you and it, everyone knows it from the first second you, you sing. But yeah. not many people have that. Yeah, that makes life a whole lot easier if you have that. Um, but I, yeah, I understand, especially for like Mick Jagger, where he probably grew up listening to a lot of roots music from America, and that's what influenced him the most. Similarly, I know you grew up listening to British music. I, I would say yeah. most of the stuff I hear you play in the car if we're driving, you're putting on music from. That was the music that affected me the most um, easily because it because I fell in love so hard with the Beatles and stuff. But then I also came to be a real fan of uh, of uh, you know I also grew up when heavy metal was all the rage, so guys that were screaming and shrieking and stuff. Mm-hmm. ACDC, Iron Maiden, Scorpions, all these rock bands that. That affected me too, and then I moved to Austin, and then I heard all these blues guys and stuff. But I was glad that I had this foundation in British music when I moved to Austin because everybody wanted to be Stevie Ray Vaughan. Right, and, and, and as you may have noticed, even to this day in Austin, what do you hear the most? You hear someone trying to be some sort of blues dude, where they're yeah. like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" They're, you know, they're absolutely. Singing, and and to me it's just bullshit. Like to me it's 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 it doesn't ring true. And I'm just like you know I don't know. I mean it happens everywhere you go. If you go to Ireland, there's so many people trying to sound like Christy Moore, who's this great folk singer uh-huh. from home. And there's people emulating that those old traditional folk songs the exact same way. And similarly, you see that in Austin, where there's all this great blues music. But for me, if I've heard like seven great blues bands. I'm, I've heard it. I don't need to hear it all the time. And you're someone like you is a breath of fresh air where it's a bit more avant-garde and it's its own thing and you're not afraid to break some rules and it doesn't follow any strict formula, you know? Um, the thing about it is, like, with blues music, it's very, very, very hard to, to have... Uh, you have to play it really well and you have to... There's got to be some sort of authenticity to it and... Yeah. And it's so easy, quote unquote, easy to play in the sense that it's three chords or whatever that you, that the road is just littered with people that are don 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 and right. it's like there there are not many of them that are that good. But Austin also has this insane. It when I moved to Austin, there was really great people playing the blues, like Lou Ann Barton, and the. the Fabulous Thunderbirds, and of course Stevie Ray Vaughan, and all these people. But there was also um, all this amazing music, like Scratch Acid and and uh, the Big Boys and and uh, uh, Poison Thirteen and the Butthole Surfers. There was all this 
this underground music that mm -hmm. was just as important, you know. And then you had Doug Psalm, who's a whole other chapter in the Bible. You know, Doug Psalm is amazing. Right. So the Austin music scene is so rich with different strains that um, I was happy, even though it, it is a real blues town, I was happy it has all these other things as well. And yeah. um, it's a, a great place. It's always been a great place to do your own thing because you could probably find an audience for it. That's one thing I, I love about Austin. The, the audience is extremely accommodating and generous with their time and their money, and they're willing to listen to whatever you have to offer. And They put a prize on originality. They're going to like it yeah. better if you have something they've never heard than something they've heard a million times. You know? And that's such a big difference between back home for me and being here. I, I, any gig I played at home. And this is probably why I ended up impersonating Springsteen in many ways, below <laughs> me doing Springsteen. They want to hear me doing the river and, and dancing in the dark and covers. And that's what they want to hear in the bars. That's what makes them happy. If you try to sing your own song, they're going to tune out. They might heckle you. It's not going to be a pleasant scene. Whereas here, if I started singing Mustang Sally at the Saxon pub, I'd probably get heckled there. They want to hear something new and fresh and something that... What if, what, what if you were to start singing, like, Pogue songs in Ireland? I mean, is that... Yeah, they'd love it. They yeah. would. I mean, the Pogues are huge in Ireland. It's not that they like bad music. They love great music. But they want music that they're familiar with and that they can sing along with. If, if, if you rolled up in there with Grey Skies Blue, I don't think people would want to hear it in a pub. Like, like in the pubs here people listen whereas at home it needs to be you need to be a fairly well established act in a big venue where people are paying tickets to come see you that's the only time i can see that original music gets the respect it deserves whereas here most places have time for original music yeah but i've played plenty of places where people don't want to hear uh original music you know uh, not not in you know Outside of Austin, you have to you have to go on yeah. the road, and when you go on the road, you're going to encounter what you're talking about. Right. Uh, I have encountered it many times in my life, and the proper response to that is "fuck you." <laughs> Fuck you're off. a great. You're you're a much braver man than me, though. Fuck I, off. I, I it's my stage right now, and right. you can fucking take that conversation somewhere else. Thank you very much. I'm here right now. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but that's I'm in entertainment. <laughs> And, and I don't give a shit if, you know, whatever. I'm going to take my hour because I, I got to this point, you know, when you if you climb in a van with a bunch of other dudes and you drive hundreds of miles a day, what will happen to you is your 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 mentality will toughen up because the only bright spot is that gig. So mm -hmm. when you get to the gig, if someone else is there and they're ruining the gig by talking or something. You have to you have to shut them down. You got to get rid of them somehow or overwhelm them with volume and ruin their conversation. <laughs> because because I the way I think of it is like I have so much more invested in this than you. I've right. got my entire life invested in this and you just have your beer in front of you. That's it. Like you 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 could go down the street and pick up where you left off. But for me, this is it, man. This is everything. I drove all fucking day to get here. Yeah. So fuck off. <laughs> I'm gonna Absol have this hour. And right? it's absolutely <laughs> the right approach. And it's it's one of the things I envy most about you is your willingness to just not compromise. No. <laughs> when you're right. And you would be right in that situation. And um 
Well, you're, you know, the, enter- you're the entertainment, and that's that's the thing is that that is really what people are paying you for. Um, that the confidence I've come to find is part of the reason is part of the reason people will like you because no one wants to. <laughs> you would never. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a proper analogy. Like you would never um, get in a car. You would never feel good about an Uber ride if you were in the Uber and the guy goes, oh, "I'm not sure where we're going," like, <laughs> right, right. and he was all uncertain and waffly and weird and like, "I don't even know if I want to do this for real." I mean, I could, mm-hmm. I could go back to school. You're like, "Fucking drive the fucking car," right? And take me to where I want to go. It's, it's think of maybe you should think of yourself more like a, a sex worker. <laughs> Maybe that's what needs to happen. Like you're you're there to get people off. This is truth, and and you right. shouldn't be mamby pamby about it. You should you should get them off, and uh, but it's also your show. It's your fucking show. It's not their show. It's your show. Well, that's a great point. I've been at shows where the performers are very nervous, and um, it it makes me uncomfortable because you want to know that they're in the driving seat and they've got you it under control. You're along have, for the ride. You shouldn't even have to think about it. Yeah. You shouldn't even have to think about it. It's very simple. You either like the movie or you don't like the movie. Yeah. But if the movie kept changing based on your reaction, there'd be no good movies. Oh, they're starting to lose interest. Oh, we got to... Oh, we need another car chase scene. What are we going to do? He's starting to look at his phone. Like, right. the movie would suck. The movie's that's, great because it's a point of view. That's all you've got, actually. That's a, point great, that's a great point, and everyone needs to hear that who's starting to work as a live gigging musician. And I'm still working at that because I, I get affected. If I see a frown in the crowd, it really gets <laughs> me. I'll think about it all night. If someone's not enjoying the gig. How can I make them frown more is what I start to think <laughs> I'm like, what song do I have in my back pocket that might make them happy so that I've got 100% approval right here? I used and that's kind of how I feel on stage. I know? used to be that way. I spent years and years being that way. So I'm not going to lie. I, I used to be that way all the time. Like I... I it was so important to me to win everybody over. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I wanted everyone to love my band, and I wanted, and I still do, but I've come to realize the value of digging in your heels and just going, man, I'm going to give you the best show I can give you, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to give you the best show I think that, you know, I'm not going to give you the best show that a phony Bruce Springsteen can give you. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm sorry. And I can't anticipate your every need. I'm very sorry. I'm going to yeah. give you the best at what I know I can do. And, and, if, you I f- and if you don't like it, I'm sorry. Go somewhere else. <laughs> I, f- I feel like what that does is the people who do enjoy the show will enjoy it so much that you've got a lifelong fan and they're they're all in and they're, they like you for what you're authentically doing as opposed to if you're compromising and trying to please everyone. Everyone will have a nice night and they'll have a pleasant time, but they're not... You're, they're not going to buy your whole discography and you don't No, have and the thing is you can't... You just have to go and find your crowd. Not everyone's going to like you. Not everyone mm-hmm. likes me. And, you know, there's a lot of people that don't... It, it's one of the frustrating things about being in show business. You know, there's some people, there's a line around the block. And at your gig, there's, you know, 10 people. It's not a good feeling when this happens. But right. that's kind of not even... You all have to make a living, but the real point of it is you got to be true. You really got to find your groove and work that groove and keep making, keep working it till it, 
Yeah. Keep going deeper and deeper and figuring it out and follow your muse, man. Just follow your muse and stay on the path. And uh, fuck, you're making a living at it. That's all that matters. If you're making mm-hmm. a living at it, you're way, way ahead of most yeah. people. It's very hard business to make a living in. Yeah, I've, I always feel very lucky that I get. To, I've never struggled too much financially. I've always yeah. held my head above water, and I I love life. I have nothing to complain about. I love what I'm doing, and I I I enjoy working at it every day. And I remember uh, just when the pandemic hit first, and it was very fresh and new, and people were saying, "You really don't want to be anywhere where there's big crowds," and it was just before. South by Southwest, yeah. and I, I remember joking to you that uh, probably the safest place in the world to be would be at one of my shows. Uh, <laughs> or, a, or, 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 or one of mine. Yeah. Or one of yours. Con- contain the spread. Come to my gigs. Um, all right, social, well, di- social distance. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, I wrote a couple of questions just okay. to keep this fun. I, I thought I'd have some questions that I'd ask everybody. Uh some of them you've already answered. Uh, okay. Is there a song that you wish you'd written out there in the world? Oh my God! There's could so you pick? Many. Could you pick one? There's so many. It's so insane. Um, because I was just thinking about this today. I'm working on a new song today, and it's just the art of the what's said and what's not said. Mm. The song that I've been thinking about. Uh, though, in answer to that question, a perfectly written song is uh, like New Kid in Town by the Eagles. Oh, wow. It's perfectly written, okay? It, yeah, it, I... it, 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 it conveys so much information in so little space. It's, it's insane. It's got, a, it's got a love interest. It's got like a love triangle in the song. It's got the fickleness of, of the public of, of like being the hot shit for one minute and then the next minute you're nobody. Mm-hmm. It's all there. And and they do it so easily. Like, well, I'm sure it wasn't easy, but they make it seem so easy. It's just, it's just, you know, um, there's talk on the street. It, it sounds so familiar. Well, is that how it goes? There's talk on the street. It sounds. I don't know all the words, but basically, they introduce the guy. You're the new kid in town. Everybody loves you. Don't let him down. You look in her eyes. The music begins to play. Like boom. Well, no you, space, no space wasted, no yeah. cumbersome. Like uh, then he met a girl, right? <laughs> and they fell in love. No, you look in her eyes, the music begins to play. Yeah. Uh, it's a scene. It's a scene playing out. Um, yeah, exactly. It's like a movie. That's uh, that's not what I was expecting you to say. Not that I had an answer, but I never thought it would. I don't know. I haven't heard that song since I was a kid. I'm going to have to go listen. Go listen to it, but also go listen to the ridiculous chord changes and the way it modulates and everything. It actually modulates from the key of E to the key of G and then comes back to the key of E and makes seeming... Normally, that would be a letdown because you're you're going from the key of E up to G, which is higher. So normally, someone like Barry Mantle would go to A at that point. Just keep going higher. Yeah. Let's go back down to E, but they make it seem like it's going higher because of the melody clunge. It's it's bananas. It's just like master songwriting, master sleight of hand, you know. Okay, if you're one of the hundreds of thousands of people listening to this, go have a listen and let, let me know your thoughts on social media. Um, well, and let's let's just talk again about the very ending. He goes, uh, there's talk on the street, uh, it's there to remind you. It doesn't really matter which side you're on. 
You're walking away and they're talking behind you. They will never forget you till somebody new comes along. Where, where you been lately? There's a new kid in town. Everybody loves him, don't they? And he's holding her and you're still around. <laughs> like, oh. It's crushing. Yeah, it wow. is. Wow. That brings me back to like teenage um, angst and jealousy and yeah, all those kind of feelings. Have you seen Chicago, That the musical? Yes. Do you know that scene where they're all just fighting to be super famous yes. for their 15 minutes of fame? And Renee Zellweger's character is like at the top of the heap. And then all of a sudden, Lucy Liu's character came in and she's after killing two men. And so now she's the most famous. So she... So Renee Zellweger pretends she's pregnant to get even more famous. Right. It's, there's always a new kid in town there. but uh, There always is. Or as I like to say, here today, gone later today. <laughs> <laughs> That's sort of showbiz in a nutshell. <laughs> All right. Well, new kid in town by the Eagles. I'm going to go. That's one. I mean, you know, it's the Eagles, like super massive. It's probably a boring choice. I kind of pick something by Loudon Wainwright or... Leonard Cohen or something cool, but no, I decided to pick something uncool. I always because, because it's great. It really yeah. is great songwriting. Absolutely, not to mention great performance, but great songwriting. Right. I always say, um, "Always a woman." She's always a woman. That's a great I, one. I, I feel like that's perfect as well. Um, it is. Er- Every line is just great. Musically, it's so interesting all the time. The production yep, is lovely. It is. I know. And it's, that's not the coolest answer, but it's perfect. No, it's not cool at all. People love to dump on Billy Joel. They love to dump on. And I understand, you know, um, mm-hmm. at the time, you felt like you're being carpet bombed by these artists. They're just on every second. So right. I get I get hating them, you know. But, well, but, for- with, but with now with the distance created over the years where that's oldies music, mm-hmm. you go back and look at it and you go, wow, yeah, that's a fucking good song. Yeah. Well, unlike you, I was born into that distance and so I never, I was never carpet bond. I was carpet okay. bond with Spice Girls. Yeah. So I don't think any amount of distance is going to change the Spice Girls. Those are kind of wretched songs, I right. gotta say, the Spice right. Girls songs. I mean, come on. I grew that, up in the 90s. That If you want to be my lover, that's like, that's bad. Right. Because, because the tell you what I want, what I really was like taking forever to get, what the fuck do you want? Like, like, (laughs) why does it take you all the verse to to tell me what you want? Just spit it out already. Tell me what you want, what I really, really want. Well, I'll tell you what I want, what I really Fucking hell. It's wasted time. Yes, it's a giant wasted time. The Eagles were not wasting time. No, they painted a whole movie. They did a whole movie in the space of that. Well, on that note, 1952, Vincent Black Lightning, which I first heard from you. That's another movie song where it's moving it along. There's a plot and there's an arc and it's... There is. Um, and it's still a simple pop song and it's fun to listen to and it's catchy. Anyway, I have another question. If, you, if, if we can send our listeners to three of your songs, what three songs do you think that you've written represent you the best? Or would you... I know I always have songs that I want people to hear first that I've written. Your catalog is much bigger than mine, I know, but if you if you could pick three, what would you? Um, I'm pretty proud of a song that doesn't get any attention, but it's hiding on a record called Little White Lies, and it's a song called Soul Radio. That's a really, I think, a really well-written song, a really good song. Um, you Can't Break My Heart is near and dear oh, yeah. to me. Um and 
Well, it's tough, you know. I mean, probably also Hopelessly Blue is a good song. I don't have a recording of it, but Cat Edmondson did a version of it. I guess those are the three, but I can't really say. I mean, it's hard. It's it's kind of hard to say uh, which yeah. ones are the the best ones. I still I still feel like I could. <laughs> I still feel like my best work's ahead of me, Pat. So uh, absolutely, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I think so too. Uh, what was the other one? Cat Edmondson recorded. There was. It's called you. Uh, it's, it's called Hopelessly Blue. But wasn't there another one that she did, or am I thinking of something? Uh, she did You Can't Break My Heart. Oh, she did, okay. Uh, yeah, that's what she did. We wrote a song together called Avion. Okay. Which she changed, you know, she, she my, mine was a little more um, surreal, I guess, because I was calling it Avignon, the, the French town, because mm. I was still dating that French girl. This was all in that, that space of, of right. Avignon I wrote at the same time, Grey Skies Blue, sort of. And the lyric, the lyric I had was Avignon, tomorrow we're gone to find the sea and Mose Allison. <laughs> and, and Kat didn't like that, but I did. What I, did I, she I, change it to? She changed it to Avion, which is like an airplane. Avion, right. you know, like a A-V-I-O-N. Right. And tomorrow we're gone to find the sea or something and around the sun. She made the lyrics more traditional, more like normal. Um, but I, lo- I like the surrealism, even if it didn't really make sense. But I love, yeah. Mose- I love Mose Allison. I, didn- I just liked it. I don't know. Uh, I like that too. And I, I lean towards the more surreal as well. I, in that song of Towns, the Towns Van Zandt song, If I Needed You, when he had the Loop and Lil Agree line, you know, about yeah. his parakeets. And... Um, who recorded that and changed it? Was it Nancy Griffith that recorded it? I don't know, but we were talking about how, when last time I hung out with you, we were talking about how people changed the lyrics, like um, John Prine changed the lyrics to... Blaze uh, Foley. Pigeon, yeah. Place Pigeon, which... I, I, that's like my favorite line. Uh, Me too, especially in that first verse. It's all like happy dandy, and then he's talking about hiding his sorrow, and John Prine just took it out of there. What did he change it to? So, so the line is, I try to hide my sorrow from the people I meet oh, and get along with it all, and John Prine said, I sing a song with the people I meet, which is like... No, it's not He didn't same. make it interesting. <laughs> it's not the If same. you're going to change it, it better be better um, than it was. It's so. just, just, you know, it's John Prine, so it's like... The guy's written so many amazing songs, so you're like, okay, yeah, uh, okay. I guess I gotta give you a pass, but artistically, I mean, if Bon Jovi changed it to that, there uh, were pitchforks. Yeah, that would be right, like like Fairy Tale in New York. What a travesty! Oh man, I don't think we should even talk about it. <laughs> um, well, I think I've covered most of the Is questions I wanted to ask you, good. and we're at like forty minutes here, okay. so gonna have to edit this down. I'll be editing it a bit. Um, <laughs> But I want to thank you, Miles, for uh, for you. writing Grey Skies Blue. I think it's such a gorgeous, beautiful song. The first time you played it for me, I couldn't believe you had written it. It just sounds like... <laughs> it, it honestly sounds like it's always existed. It's one of those great melodies, and um, I love it. So thanks for allowing me to sing it, and I hope you enjoy our version. Um, I love your version. I really do. I wouldn't just say that. You know me. I, would, I do. I would either not say anything, or I'd give you the straight truth. Like, ah. Uh, there would be a string of expletives here if you weren't a fan. So <laughs> I'm going to take that as a huge pat on the back. Yeah. Um, 
And thanks for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you. Enjoy the cold weather. I will try. Okay. Take it easy. There you go. That was Miles Zuniga. And that's it for episode one. I hope you enjoyed it. I, speaking for myself, I could listen to Miles talk all day. I just think there's so much to learn for someone who from someone who has that much experience for me as an up-and-coming songwriter and for those of you who are listening who maybe are just getting into the business I really think there's a lot you can take from what he has to say so I want to thank Miles for taking the time to do this and if you like this please share it with your friends you can hear Grey Skies Blue on my artist's account on Spotify my Pat Byrne artist's account um and next, next time we're going to have a brand new song. I'm not sure which one I'm going to release next, but stay tuned. And uh, thank you so much for lending me your ears. I can't wait to see where this goes. Enjoy your week, everybody. Thank you. It's just your voice on the phone And I'm living in the wrong time zone And you're so far away But baby, I know you Make my grey skies blue Yeah, honey, I know you Could make my grey skies